Okay, welcome to High Cheese with Darren Maloney. Today is Friday, September 9th, 2022. And let's go to Mar-a-Lago. And let's go to the judge's decision on a special master to review all the documents that the FBI took at its raid from Mar-a-Lago, including the First Lady's panty draw. So before we go further, let me just, uh, executive privilege is uh, the president has a right to keep confidential certain documents from any litigation. And I'm simplifying this. And attorney-client privilege is any correspondence and documentation between a client and his attorney should also be uh, not disclosed. So uh, what this special master is going to do is to determine uh, whether any of those documents that they took were subject to executive privilege or special or attorney-client privilege. Now, the reason that the DOJ, the partisan DOJ, the politicized DOJ is up in arms on this is th- this can throw a wrench into their entire case. Because if a special master comes in and says, wait a second, you can't use that document, that falls under attorney-client privilege. Or this document here falls under executive privilege. Well, if it's enough documents, their case just blows up because they need to use these documents in any case that they would have against Donald Trump. And that's why they're up in arms. Now, the gray area is this executive privilege issue. And this, this really can drag this entire process out for years. I'm not exaggerating. This thing can be entirely dragged out for years. Because what's going to happen is a special master can come in and say, hey, look, you can't use this document here, uh, Department of Justice, Mr. FBI. And you're going to have to go to court. And the courts are going to have to determine whether this falls under executive privilege or attorney-client privilege. And again, this can really be dragged out. Now, the corrupt Department of Justice was likely looking for an indictment before the midterm elections. But their plan B is probably going to be just to release these leaks to the press, which are false, telling us how bad Trump is. Oh my God, it was nuclear codes that we found. It was super high, cl- highly classified documents that we found. All this stuff. And they were looking just to leak this and leak this and leak this to the press. Just to hurt Trump for as long as this entire process takes. Because again, they're looking to have Trump not run for president. But here's what they don't understand. I, I just, I, I really think this entire anti-Trump position by the corrupt administrative state is already baked into our electorate. Even if they could indict Trump before the midterm elections, it would have very little bearing on the outcome because Donald Trump is baked into the American voter. Everybody knows that he's been wrongly impeached twice. We've had the Russia collusion hoax, and it was all based on politics. And people know that. Whether you like him or not, whether you vote for him or not, people know that. And the problem is, for them, they're looking at the polls today, and Trump is beating Biden. The last poll I saw in a swing state, it was Georgia, Trump was up 5%. In Pennsylvania, another swing state, why do you think Biden was up and down Pennsylvania last week or this past week? Because his internal polls are telling him that he's getting crushed by Trump. Biden is so unpopular in Pennsylvania, he is getting crushed by Trump. So how's that working out for you, Mr. Deep State? 
Mr. Department of Justice, Mr. Biden. Ain't working out too well because the public realizes that they're unethically, illegally going after Donald Trump and he keeps on fighting him off. Americans like that. And he just comes out stronger and stronger after all of this. So now the latest thing is apparently the Department of Justice is now going after Trump's political action committee. Now, from the last thing that's been reported, apparently they convened a grand jury for some reason, likely some fake reason, and they're looking to indict some people or to do something to harm Donald Trump through his political action committee. Shocking. And they're going to continue this, and they're just exposing themselves to the American voter as being corrupt. And those are the voters that are going to determine whether the Republicans take the House and take the Senate, and by how much. Because look, you know, you've got these core hardcore Democrats. Trump's the devil. They're psychotic. They're mentally ill. But there's a good chunk of Democrats out there that feel this way about Trump. And you're never going to get them. And my point is, who cares? The key people are the independents and the Republicans. And they're saying through this, this is, this is just a, a harassment of a president of the United States and a former president of the United States. And at some point they get blowback. But here's the problem with the administrative side. I've always said that. They're tone deaf and they're not bright. And they don't understand when blowback's coming. And they're in the middle of blowback right now. Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon was arraigned this week in New York. For apparently, according to New York State, Steve Bannon took money from an organization that was supposed to uh, get money to build a wall. There was a GoFundMe site, which was promoted by Bannon, I think a couple other people. And they were going to use private money to build the wall on the southern border. And apparently, the New York State is claiming that, oh, Bannon used some of the money for personal use. So they indicted him. Now, remember, on the federal level, they tried doing the same thing. Didn't get that far because before Trump left, he had pardoned Bannon. And again, just a refresher, uh, the president can only pardon people with federal crimes. Now, Bannon was never convicted, never got that far, but it's only federal crimes that a president can pardon somebody for. Now, New York State is bringing this up, and apparently this is a state crime. And again, this is just to go after, this is the politicized and corrupt judicial system that's going after their political enemies. And they're going after Bannon because MAGA is a threat to the administrative state. MAGA is a threat to the Democrats. So they have to go after anyone associated with MAGA. And outside of Trump, Steve Bannon is the most important person to the MAGA movement. So they have to go after them. They got to go after their political enemies. This is what a corrupt system does. And this is what they're doing to Bannon. Remember, it was Laurenti Berea who was the head of Joseph Stalin's secret police, who said, show me the man and I will show you the crime. <laughs> and it's funny. <laughs> you you got to love Bannon as much as you like Trump because Bannon's a fighter. And as most of my listeners know, uh, a good friend of mine from years ago was a former FBI agent. And he, he, was, he would often tell a story about when they would arrest somebody, uh, particularly in white-collar crimes, the person they were arrested would just start crying like a baby. Oh, my God. 
What is my family going to think? Oh, my God, you can't do this to me. And it, Literally, he was saying tears were coming out of their eyes. They were sobbing like babies. He was saying most of the people he arrested did this. White college crimes. But this hasn't happened to Bannon. Bannon's fighting back. He knows he's innocent. He knows this is just political persecution. So with that, let me go to a clip. And this is a clip of the perp walk. They love the perp walk. The people that are against the administration get the perp walk. And what perp walk is, is that, you know, they uh, put you in cuffs and they walk you down the walk of shame. And they got all the reporters lined up and they take pictures of you and it's supposed to make you look bad. So let's go to the clip and then we'll come back and discuss. This is what happens in the last days of a dying regime. They will never show me up and kill me first. I have not yet begun to fight. And this is the priority of District Attorney Bratt. Now, Alvin Bratt is one of those Soros-backed district attorneys that want bail reform, that want to go after your political enemies. And he's looking to curry favor with the uh, central government down in Washington, the central administrative state in Washington. So he's going to go out and he's going to get Bannon. Federal government couldn't do it, but I'm going to do it. That's his priority. You know what's not his priority? Protecting the people in New York City. Now, I know this happened out in Queens or the Bronx. I think it was, uh, it was definitely one of the Attleboroughs. I think it was Queens, where some individual sucker punched an Hispanic man and put him in a coma. So he gets arrested and he's let out without bail. Boy, that, that makes me feel safe. If I lived in New York, that would really make me feel safe. And meanwhile, they had to rearrest him because... Governor Hochul's running for re-election, and it's become a political issue. So he calls up New York and says, hey, look, you better take care of this guy. You better find him because I'm catching a lot of political heat on this. Did you see those pictures? So they went and re-arrested him. And then they find out the guy's some kind of gang member. But you can see that these woke district attorneys do not have you or I's interest at heart. They have theirs. And a guy like Brad is only looking to curry favor with the central government in Washington. But clearly his priorities are not to protect the citizens of New York. It's to get Trump. It's to get Bannon. Meanwhile, let's take a walk down to Memphis. We've got Ezekiel Kelly. He was released from prison in Memphis. He was supposed to spend three years in prison, but for aggravated assault... But he only spent a little over one year in prison. And he gets out. You know what he does? Not right after he gets out, but he goes on a shooting spree. Murders four people, wounds a bunch of other people. And he live streams it on the internet. At least one of the murders. Who the heck let this guy out? Then also in Memphis, we have Pookie Abston. So Pookie was supposed to spend 24 years in prison for kidnapping an aggravated robbery. But he got out early. And what does he do? He kidnaps, likely rapes, and murders an heiress, a teacher, a teacher that was an heiress. Who led these people out? What's their mindset? What are they trying to do to you and me? They're trying to create chaos in the streets because we deserve it. 
So they're creating chaos in the streets. People in the cities do not feel safe. Meanwhile, they're going after their political enemies while the streets are on fire. You know, as you know, I've studied Russian history. And, you know, I'm looking at what this administrative state is, what these um, Democrats are today. And I can't help but think about the Russian Revolution, the Bolshevik Revolution, 1917. And this administrative state and how it's grown into power and how they have different wings. They have the uh, Department of Justice. They have the FBI. They have the IRS. They have the intelligence agencies. I think about the Cheka, the Bolshevik Cheka. And what the Bolshevik Cheka was, it was the secret police of the Bolsheviks. Now, there's a couple of things I take away from the Cheka that I can apply to today. One is that it grew exponentially over a short period of time. Now, the revolution started in 1917. Uh, 1918 uh, to 1920, there was a lot of turmoil. And the Cheka grew from 200 people to over 100,000 agents. Now, these secret police were brutal. They were the judge, jury, and executioner. And their whole charge was to take care of the political enemies of the Bolsheviks. And as a matter of fact, later on, the Nazis and the East Germans used the model of the Cheka to form the Gestapo for the Nazis, and then later the Stasi for the East Germans. And I see that today. You know, we've got a lot of chaos today. And you, you take a look, and what is, what is the Democratic Party to? They hire 87,000 IRS agents with the ability to carry arms against the citizens. And I couldn't help thinking about the rise of the Cheka during that turmoil in the, the early Soviet Union and what we have going on today. The second thing that jumps out to me about the Cheka, and as it can be applied today, is that the Cheka did not want to answer to anyone. And a lot of people thought even Lenin, they didn't even answer to Lenin. But Lenin had it set up that they did not answer to anyone. And that's what we have today. The corrupt Department of Justice, the the corrupt Democrats, the corrupt intelligence agencies that make up the administrative state want to answer to no one. And with that said, I want to flip to a clip from Chuck Schumer early on in the Trump administration. And listen to what he says. Let's go to the clip and then we'll discuss. But he's, he's taking these shots, this antagonism, yep. this taunting to the intelligence tell community. You, you take on the intelligence community, they have six ways from Sunday at getting back at you. So even for a practical, supposedly hard-nosed businessman, he's being really dumb to do this. What do you think the intelligence community would do if they were motivated I don't know, to? but I, from what I am told, they are very upset with how he has treated them and talked about them. Isn't that chilling? And that's from Rachel Maddow. But that's a chilling statement. And Schumer fully accepts it. You're the elected official, Schumer. They should be answering to you, not vice versa. But that's what we have today. Guy like Schumer is willing to accept it because politically it's good for him. It's good for the Democratic Party. 
And the curious thing that I have that I would like to know is at what point did the Democratic Party and the administrative state join forces? So we shall see. So John Fetterman, the Democratic candidate for Senate in Pennsylvania, was at a Labor Day event, supposedly a union Labor Day event. I think he had less than 100 people there, maybe 20, 25. Big union guy. He's only 25 people show up, and I think they were all union heads. But I got to play this clip. Anybody that's on the sideline with Dr. Oz, this is what you're going to send to the Senate if you don't vote for Dr. Oz. So let me play this clip. And I got another one after this. But anybody that is on the fence about Dr. Oz, after seeing these two clips, you got to come out and vote for him. I know he's not perfect, but this is what you're going to get if you don't vote for Oz. Now, we all know that Fetterman had a stroke and he's not doing well. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. He is not doing it. He is showing the effect of a stroke. And it brings into question whether he can actually be a senator or anything else. So listen, let's play this clip and then we'll come back and discuss. Send me to Washington, D.C. to send so I can work with Senator Casey and I can champion the union way of life in Jersey, in, excuse me, in D.C. Thank you, thank you very much, and it's an honor. I live eight minutes away from here, and when I leave tonight, I got three miles away. Look, the man is incapable physically of doing this job, let alone his positions. I'm going to play his positions in a minute. I'm not saying, you know, you look at some of the senators, look at Teddy Kennedy at the end of his career, but this guy is coming off a stroke. This guy is having a hard time functioning. And you can't send this, a guy like this to the Senate. He's just incapable, physically. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to play some clips. And this is before his stroke. His positions and policies that he endorses should scare you in Pennsylvania and in the rest of the country. He's a Bernie guy. And here's one clip I want to talk about. And... This is a Zoom meeting. I, I guess he was meeting in, uh, on some podcast with some uh, criminal rights activists. And they were talking about incarceration. And let me play the clip. And then we'll come back and discuss because this is startling. Have you seen the Shawshank Redemption? And almost everybody has. And I'm like, well, most of the, these people are like Morgan Freeman's character. And it's like. If you think Morgan Freeman's character should have died in prison at the end of the movie, then I, I don't. I got nothing for you, you know? So what Fetterman is saying is that he came out with a statement beforehand and said that, look, we could, we could let one-third of our prisoners out in Pennsylvania and not disrupt the safety of Pennsylvania citizens. So let's release a third of the prisoners in all the prisons, and the people and the residents of Pennsylvania have nothing to fear. Really? Did that work in Memphis? How about New York City? How's that working out? And then he goes on to talk about, oh, these people that are in prison are like, the, you know, they're like Morgan Freeman in the Shawshank Redemption, which is a movie. It's fantasy. And this is what you get from 
somebody that has been living off their parents until they're 50 years old. They're stunted. They're emotionally stunted. They think that a movie reflects reality. And if it does, it's only in a small sense. It doesn't relate to every single inmate. But in in the stunted mind of a stunted man-boy, oh, I saw the Shawshank Redemption. Every prisoner is like Morgan Freeman. And then haven't seen the movie. You know, Morgan Freeman's a prisoner and uh, he's actually a nice guy in the movie. But in reality, that's not how prisoners are. But not to a person that lives in fantasy land, that's been living off of their parents. And this is what you get. And this is your choice. Again, you may not like Oz. If you're a MAGA person, even if you're a rhino, if you don't like Oz, you still have to vote for him. Because this is what they're going to send to Washington if you don't. A stroked out man boy. I'm sorry, it's harsh, but it's a stroked out man boy. And he's a fake, he's a phony. Comes from a, a relatively affluent family, dresses, dresses like though he's not. Got tattoos. You know, I got a tattoo, I'm macho now. But anyway, he's full of tattoos. I think he's got the sleeve going. But it was all paid for by his parents. So again, remember that when you vote for Oz. So I just want to talk about Labor Day for a second. Uh, Monday was Labor Day. And, you know, it's only the heads, the leaderships of these unions that are with the Democrats. The rank and file union member is likely a MAGA person. And I, I am telling you, I have personal experience that these unions do not care about you. Any union member that's listening right now, they do not care about you. They care about themselves. And I know firsthand, I've negotiated contracts with Teamsters. And the leadership of the Teamsters union sold you guys out. I negotiated hard bargains. I was part of a team that negotiated a hard bargain with our Teamsters. And these unions sold you out. They couldn't care less. They send, they send offspring of well-connected union leaders to go negotiate contracts for you. And these people are incapable of chewing gum and walking. It got so bad. After we settled the contract, we looked at the contract and said, this is, this is a terrible contract. We went back to the union. We're going to give you something. We screwed you so much in this contract. We're going to give you something. We gave them higher starting salaries and we reduced their contribution for new workers to their health care programs. We reduced it. The union already gave that up to their workers and signed a contract on it. Again, they don't care. Okay, let's talk about the latest uh, climate change hysterics. And I just read an article. It was, I picked it up in the New York Post. And it was saying that an ice sheet from Greenland is melting. And it could raise the ocean level by 10 to 30 inches. But they really don't know when it's going to happen. When asked, well, is it going to happen? Well, we're not really sure when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. And they gave some far out date, I think 2150, when it could happen. But th- this is the problem with these climate change. It's, it's all guess. It's all the methodology that they use. All these variables to come up with these conclusions that scare people, that try to scare people. And it's by design. They want people scared. And 
Let me give you some new numbers. I like to come out with some new numbers, some new statistics on climate change. Well, we just finished August without a tropical storm or a hurricane in the Atlantic. Now, the time from August through early October is the most intense time for hurricanes and tropical storms. In August, we got zero. In first week of September, we got zero. And that's the first time this has happened since 1997. It's a long time. So what's happening? Remember all these, oh my God, all the hurricanes are going to be terrible. All this mass destruction from hurricanes. Nothing this year, my friend. And in previous episodes, I come out with a report. There was a report from Dartmouth said that global warming is good for Canada because it's a colder area and it extends the crop season. Then I had also presented a story um, about the Great Barrier Reef, Australia. There was all this gnashing of teeth, how all the, all the um, coral was blanching. Well, it's coming back, my friend. That's what the earth does. It changes. Some things die, but then it regrows. And the climate religion people don't want you to know that. They want to scare you because this is what they want you to worship. And the globalists are using this. So we shall see. So Russia cuts off the gas supply to Europe. A lot of people are going to die, depending on how, how cold the winter is, particularly in Germany, as they get a significant amount of natural gas from Russia. Now, no one should be surprised that Putin shut the natural gas supply to Europe. They're at war. The globalists try to kill the Russian economy. They tried to kill Russian people with the sanctions. And they're surprised that Russia's retaliating with their own sanctions. And you've got people in Germany. Oh, there will be people dying. There will be deaths. But it's okay for Russian citizens to die. You didn't say anything about that when you were putting sanctions on Russia. But when they retaliate, oh my God, Putin's a bad guy. He's a bad guy, but so are you. And you know who saw this coming? Donald Trump. And he was laughed at at the time. And what I want to do is I want to go to a clip. Uh, Trump was addressing the UN and he was talking exactly about this issue. So let's go to it and then we'll come back and discuss. Reliance on a single foreign supplier can leave a nation vulnerable to extortion and intimidation. That is why we congratulate European states such as Poland for leading the construction of a Baltic pipeline so that nations are not dependent on Russia to meet their energy needs. Germany will become totally dependent on Russian energy if it does not immediately change course. And I think this was a 2018 address to the United Nations. And uh, listen, if you could see the German representatives, there was two or three of them. They were just snickering like little children about what Trump was saying. And does this reflect the stupidity of these bureaucrats, of these globalists, this snickering, this immature snickering? They're laughing at the man that has 10 times the intellect they have combined. That is 20 times the foresight of anybody in that room. And again, if Trump was president, there would have been no war in Ukraine and everything else that follows. So Queen Elizabeth died yesterday. And I'm not a monarchist. 
And America fought a war to free itself from the monarchy. But you do have to admire Queen Elizabeth for the dedication she had for her country. For 70 years, from the time she got up to the time she went to bed, she served her country well. And a lot of us should learn from that. Particularly her grandson, the one that lives over here. I, I, you know, he doesn't want to be part of the monarchy, but he wants all the trappings. He wants all the money. Isn't that typical? Just give me, give me, give me, but I don't want to give anything back. And Queen Elizabeth gave everything back to her country. And you have to admire that. In the words of JFK, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. And Queen Elizabeth did it well. So Godspeed to her. Okay, so this is going to be our first loser of the week. And let's go right to the runner-up. And we'll go to the clip and see if you can guess who it is. And then we'll come back and discuss. Given the existential threat posed by climate change, it is imperative that we address it. Our plan, powered by the Inflation Reduction Act, represents the largest investment in fighting climate change in our country's history. And it will put us well on our way toward a future where we depend on the wind, the sun, and other clean sources of energy. We will rid ourselves from our current dependence on fossil fuels and the whims of autocrats like Putin. And if you guessed Janice Yellen, you were correct. The Treasury Secretary. Here she is making this political speech out there. And I think she was in uh, Michigan. I think she was speaking at Ford plant. I may be wrong. But she's leading us to believe that wind, solar, power is attainable. It's not attainable. It's always going to be a very small piece of our American power. It's always going to be predominantly fossil fuels. And there's no way out of this. And she is misleading us to think that we're going to get there. With today's technology, we're never going to get there. And until we do, we're going to continue to rely on fossil fuels. And then she's got the goal at the very end of the clip. She says, well, you know, if we follow all this, uh, we won't need to worry about Putin. The reason we have a problem today with oil and gas prices is predominantly by your president's decisions. Just think about the leases. Just think about the pipelines. Those are the decisions by the president of the United States that have caused this problem with oil and with gas. Because before Biden came on board, we were energy independent. We couldn't have cared less of what Biden did, uh, what Putin did, because we were independent. Trump warned Germany about this, but it was Biden's decisions to drive up oil prices and drive up inflation. So for that, you're my runner-up. And for the loser of the week, listen to the following clip. Joe, it is now America's good fortune to have you as president. You have guided us through some perilous times. You've built on and gone beyond the work we all did together to expand health care, to fight climate change, to advance social justice, and to promote economic fairness. Thanks to your decency and thanks to your strength, the country's better off than when you took office. And if you guessed Barack Obama, you were correct. 
And I want to give it to him for this last line when he says that the country's better off now than it was before he took office. Really? Well, maybe to some of the people in that room, maybe to Barack, maybe to a lot of the consultants that were showed up, maybe some of the employees that showed up, maybe. But not for the typical American. That has to deal with high gas prices, inflation, a recession, a more divisive country, calling out MAGA as a threat to democracy, mucking up the pandemic. That's better. Really? What world are you living in, Barack? And we don't know what it is. It's just, you know, these are just flat out lies. Because we know deep down they don't like each other. So for that, Barack Obama gets my first loser of the week. And before I forget, that speech that Barack made about Biden was from the unveiling ceremony of his portrait and his wife's portrait. And I just want to say these portraits are bad. They're not good portraits. We think a former president of the United States would get better portraits made. And this looks like something from like a high school contest, both of them. And this is the second round of portraits that he had. I don't know if you remember the, the unveiling of the two other portraits. They were awful too. So maybe if there's a third round of portraits for him somewhere, maybe in his uh, library, maybe there'll be better portraits. But let me just give you, a, get, get some new artists because the ones that you've hired aren't working real well for you. All right, let's go to the markets. A three-week losing cycle was broken up this week when the stocks finished up for the week. The Dow finished up today 1.19% to 32,152.71. The S&P finished up today uh, by 1.53% to 4,067.36. And then NASDAQ finished up today uh, by 2.11% to 12,112.31. For the week, the Dow was up 2.66%. The S&P was up 3.65%. And NASDAQ was up 4 Year-to-date, the Dow is down 11.52%. The S&P is down 14.66%. And NASDAQ is down 22.58% for the year. The 10-year finished at 3.315%, while the two-year finished at 3.563%. And again, this is an inverted yield curve, which indicates a recession. Gold futures are trading at right now $1,727.60 per ounce, and silver futures are trading at $18.78.5 per ounce. Oil futures, WTI, are trading at $86.10. It is 10.12 in the evening on September 9th, 2022, and Bitcoin is trading at $21,283.16, and Ethereum is trading at $1,724.01, and XRP is trading at $0.36. Let's go to the economic calendar for next week, and next week is the CPI week. So on Monday, we have the New York Fed three-year inflation expectations. Then on Tuesday, we have CPI coming out and the federal budget deficit. On Wednesday, we have the producer price index, final demand. On Thursday, we have our initial jobless claims, continuing jobless claims. We have retail sales. 
We have the Import Price Index, Industrial Production Index, Capacity Utilization, and Business Inventories. Then on Friday, we have the University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment and the University of Michigan Five-Year Consumer Inflation Expectations. And with that said, thank you so much for listening. You have a good week, and I will see you next Saturday. Thank you again.